0: Hello and welcome to the Deeper Eye podcast. I am Lara Ferris, your host. For many years, I have been passionate about self-improvement. Through this, I have met the best specialists in their field who have given me tools and the courage to pursue a new path. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you everything I have learned through the conversations I have had with these amazing people. I hope these conversations will impact your life as they did to mine. Andrew Wallace is joining me today to speak about the law number six of the seven spiritual laws of success of Deepak Chopra. Law number six is the law of non-attachment. I look forward to my conversation with Andrew, and I really hope it will help you have more clarity about what this law really means and why is it so important Hi Andrew good afternoon really Hi, missed Laura. you and mm. I'm so glad we're back for uh, our law number 6 today from the Deepak Chopra spiritual laws Today is the law of detachment and I'm going to just read something that is at the beginning of this chapter because I think it's very important to say, and I'm sure you would agree to some extent with me, or maybe you would, that it's quite confusing, this law of detachment, when we think of what we've been told um, many times to do, to manifest something. So the sentence says, the ego and the self dwell in the same body, the former eats the sweet and sour fruits of the tree of life, while the latter looks on in detachment. And for me, Andrew, please help me because some days I find this very, very confusing and some others, I don't know why maybe because I have more clarity, maybe because I speak more with you and in, in these periods where I find it less confusing. I really don't know what it is. But today is one of these days where I don't understand how you can do both.
1: Okay. I think it's a great place to start. And I think that comes from the Vedas, the Vedic philosophy in Hinduism, And one of the things you will recall, Lara, is that on a couple of occasions we've facilitated a talk on the path of no preference, the path of no preference. And, you know, it's easy to understand that intellectually but very difficult to live that. And, And what this is saying is that the ego... Attaches to joy and sadness in the same way. It attaches to highs and lows. And most people's lives, to all of our lives to some extent, we are conditioned and we live our lives looking for the pleasure, looking for the high. And, and then we equally have the disappointment and mm-hmm. the, the pain. So it's a little bit like saying that, you know, agony and ecstasy go together pain and joy go together, and you can't have one without the other. And the teaching of detachment is really to say to stand back from that polarity, like good and bad, like right and wrong, stand back from that and see both of them as imposters. And the thing that people find most difficult to do is if something goes well in our life, we, you know, we feel joy, we feel this, we want to celebrate. And that's fine, but if you do that when something goes well, then when something goes badly, you're, you're in despair or disappointment or mm. a negative reaction. And it's understanding that the ego is attaching to both those polarities, both those imposters, mm. whereas the self, it stands back from both of them and says that neither of them is valid, that, that you kind of move beyond both of them. It's a little bit like if you see people arguing about who's right or wrong, who's right or wrong, we've both had experiences where you can stand back from that and saying it's a ridiculous argument. there is no right and wrong. And this is saying exactly the same thing from the point of view of detachment. There's the attachment to being right or the attachment to being wrong or the attachment to being mm. happy. And one of the things I've often said is over the last 40 years of clinical practice, I've seen hundreds of people who are searching for happiness. And the one thing that they all have in common is they're all miserable. (laughs) And (laughs) so if we search for happiness or if we try to become attached to happiness, you'll never find it. Does that make sense or not? It
0: it, it makes it it makes a lot of sense when you when you explain it. This is why I was saying when I'm with you or talk to you often on that it everything makes sense. What I'm finding difficult is when I'm on my own to first remember it and then pr- like I understand it on a intellectual level what you're saying and it makes a lot of sense. But when when I'm having to practice it on a day-to-day basis. Like, for example, I'm really keen on seeing myself independent um, financially. I want to be uh, very successful and and I'm finding it tif- difficult to do the things to manifest it and then detach from it and realize that that's what I am mean. Okay.
1: So we're really going to yeah. come back to that, but I just want to give you another example mm-hmm. that may or may not help. So you and I are yes. both parents and um, we've been through that process where your children are in school and they're doing exams and some exams seem to be mm-hmm. more important than others. And, you know, if our child gets a very good result, they get an A star or an A, you know, we're really happy. If they get um, a C or a B minus or whatever it is, you know, we're really miserable. There is a place where we can stand back from that and say, you know, we have no idea whether getting 5A stars is going to make mm. them happier people mm. or not. Mm. We don't know. And so if you're attaching, as as lots of parents do, and, and and in fact, you know, when children do A-levels and things, they go through this period and they're terribly affected by what yeah. all their peers do and their parents are affected by that, there's this terrible attachment mm. to getting the right grades. And actually... Um, one of the things uh, Deepak Chopra says in his book, not in this chapter, I don't think, but he says, actually may, maybe it is in this chapter, but he says with all his children, he told them, don't worry about your grades, it's irrelevant, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, don't worry about getting a good job. And in fact, they all went out, they all did very well academically, mm-hmm. they all got good jobs. Because from that place mm-hmm. of detachment, it's a much more mm-hmm. powerful place to manifest your it's intention. It's funny
0: you're saying that because just a parenthesis a small one. I'm sure, uh, but I've always told my kids that because I think deep down, I I really didn't care much about this uh, perf- these performances. All I wanted them is to be happy and not to break down. I don't know, if it, probably I did it by mistake and it wasn't as conscious as Deepak Chopra has done it with his own kids, but it, did, it does work. Which brings me to this question before I let you talk fully about the law of detachment. Do you think when you do something unconsciously, unconsciously, you get the same results? Like of detachment, you
1: know? That's a great question. And the answer is, yes, I do. Great. Yes, I do. Yeah, because whether it's unconscious or conscious, Mm -hmm. there's no attachment. And some people are unconsciously very detached from material things, or very detached from money, and actually they always seem to get lots of money. Um, It's not a conscious thing.
0: Incredible. Uh, It makes me think of that um, very, very wealthy, very small man. I keep forgetting his name. He seems so detached from money, and he still takes the (laughs) bus to go home. And I think he's the richest man on the planet. And he keeps making more money. I mean, Uh, people who are listening would know who he is. I forgot his name. Anyway, so the law of detachment. Please, Andrew, tell us a bit.
1: So I think... Yeah, I think there's three things. Uh, like all these laws, it's it's very, very simple, uh, but it's not easy to practice. And I think there's three things that we need to understand and reflect upon. Uh, the first thing is that the, the way the universe is set up, and I, I always say this, for mm-hmm. me, this is like gravity, that in order to acquire mm-hmm. anything, in the in the world we have to give up our attachment to it so it's the attachment Mm. to something that stops us getting it now that there are situations in life where it appears that people who are very attached to a particular outcome seem to get there and therefore they seem to achieve what they want through attachment but i would say a, that is illusory, and B, they never really have it mm, because it's mm, the attachment that keeps them from really um, having it um, and enjoying it in their own right. So it's a really important idea that because uh, lots of the time we are attached to particular outcomes and it's the attachment that stops us having it. So if we are able to work on uh, detaching from the particular mm. outcome, then it will automatically mm. come to us. And um, there's examples of that. If, if you take, uh, actually, let's yeah. move on to the second point first. So the second point, which is really important, is that attach- attachment is based on fear and insecurity. It's att- the attachment is trying to cover up some sort of fear, mm-hmm. in, insecurity, and it's a form of imprisonment. We're, we're, we're imprisoned to a particular outcome. And actually it's a very, very restrictive and uninspiring position. But that's what the attachment does. If I don't get this, then yeah. I'm not going to be OK. And it's a very unhealthy, and it cannot bring you any contentment or happiness. And if you take those two points together and think about relationships for a moment, so so many people in relationships latch on to a partner or, or they're very dependent upon a spouse or a partner and they're very attached to that relationship. And in that way, they are actually um, a, a prisoner rather than a free agent coming together and and willingly and freely being in a relationship without any particular attachment yeah. to the outcome and we see this an awful lot um, in relationships but we see it also in terms of people's relationship to houses to cars yeah. to jobs but particularly in the arena of relationships and it's the attachment that is really fear-based or insecurity-based and it can never lead to any kind of happiness or contentment.
0: It's done in several steps, right? Because first uh, you read you know about the law and this is why you you uh, you know are coming to uh, explain more to to me exactly about all these laws which are amazing. So you are bringing awareness to me and to everyone that is listening about this law. Okay? So I I listen to you, I hear it, I understand it. And I still feel the fear, okay? So is it a step to, like, I still feel the fear, but now I know from what you're saying that this is the reason, this is the main reason, is the fear that is putting me into this attachment state, okay? So once I bring this uh-huh. awareness to to that, is a way forward to, I won't say reason, but to try and, remember that by losing this fear, I have more chance to get to what I would like to attract. Is that um, right to to say? Yeah,
1: I I think it's a very good example because um, it's really about dealing with the original cause or the proximate cause, because what you're saying is Mm -hmm. you recognize the fear And uh, the attachment is comes into place to try to cover up or deal with the fear. And what we both know Mm. is that never works. It can never work. It's a little bit like a good analogy would be we're feeling uncomfortable, we're feeling in some emotional pain. So Mm -hmm. we take a drug, Mm -hmm. we take cocaine or we take heroin or whatever it is. But it can never, ever work because you always have to come back to the pain from which you're trying to escape. So it's the same in your example. You, fear, you have the fear and you get to a place where you know that the attachment to a particular um, outcome, a particular, it might be mm-hmm. a piece of jewelry, mm-hmm. it might be a car, it might be a relationship, it might be anything, that is not going to deal with the fear. So the, the solution is, is not to deny the fear or suppress the fear, the solution is to be with the fear or be with the discomfort and then just drop below that into a place that's beyond the fear and beyond the attachment. And the, the third aspect of detachment we dealt with, in order to acquire anything, we have to give up our attachment. Secondly, that attachment is based on fear, insecurity, and we become imprisoned by it. The third aspect, which links back to the first law that we looked at, the law of pure Mm -hmm. potentiality, is to link back into the wisdom of uncertainty, the wisdom of uncertainty. Because it's only by dropping below or moving beyond the fear and the attachment or the joy and the pain that we actually understand that neither of those are going to give us what we want. So we need to drop into the wisdom of uncertainty to actually move behind the fear and say, okay, am I willing to sit with the uncertainty and not knowing the outcome? It's the not knowing the outcome that creates the greatest manifestation Mm -hmm. in the world.
0: Basically, it's like embracing so many parts of you. You embrace, first of all, the empowered part of you who is determined to get what he wants, he or she wants, being detached, so you give up on what your intention is. So you're still very empowered to want it. And at the same time, you embrace that part of you who who trusts something bigger, actually, that might have something else for you that could turn out to be better. But uh, it's the both... It's, it's to embrace these both sides that could be a bit longer to, to reach, to adapt, you know, like sometime in my case, I felt a bit confused, like, okay, who, who, who am I now? This very empowered, very strong person who really is determined to get to that place. And then at the same time, I have to remember to trust that, okay, that's what I want. I work towards it, but if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen something else will come.
1: Yeah, I I think there's two very important but separate points there. I think what you raise is critically important, Lara, because I I think implicit and embedded in the law of detachment is the idea that we trust the universe. We trust the universe because when we create an attachment to Mm. something specific, it's really a control mechanism. It's saying, I need that, I'm going to control that because I don't trust the universe mm. to take mm. care of me. That's the first thing. The second thing, which you touched on right at the beginning, is, you know, one of the laws of the universe is intention. And, and one of the things people get very confused about is when we come to the law of detachment, if we give up any attachment mm-hmm. to outcome, where does that leave us mm-hmm. with our intention? Mm. So, and, and the way this works, and it, it, you know, there is a little bit of nuance or subtlety with this, is it, the law of detachment does not mean that we don't create a very clear mm-hmm. intention. We do. But it's basically, it's the process of creating an intention, very strong intention, but then letting go of the particularity of the outcome. So the outcome might not look like Mm. the picture in our mind. The intention is very strong. It's a little bit like saying, you know, Mm. uh, I don't know, I I, I want to create a shelter for people who Mm. are in trouble. And I might have a a, a burning intention to do this, but in my mind I've got a picture of Mm. what that looks like. And in fact, by letting go of the attachment Mm -hmm. to the outcome, something much, much bigger and much, much better comes along because I was in the wisdom of uncertainty.
0: I think you've just really said something that um, made me a bit clearer on how I'm feeling about it. Do you know how the, I was saying this embracing both of you? What I I think what I I wanted to say is you have, you, you can act from two places, your, your ego who really wants, you know, and uh, because the higher self would never be attached really. To an outcome no. and this is what's confusing is we need both you you can't you can't act with just one side of you because the higher self maybe would not have the same ways of intention or same goals for manifestation i don't know if i'm right in thinking that but the higher self would just trust trust and just be content
1: I don't think you actually need both, because I think that the ego and the self are working in mm. different directions. So the the ego is essentially trying to keep me in a fear-based modality. So the ego is attaching to different things like people, yeah. like cars, like jewellery, like houses. And that keeps me small. It keeps me... It's a little bit like also it's it's being... Uh, like a cork mm. bobbing on the ocean, because it's it's fine to have the highs, but if you have yeah. the highs, you have the lows. Whereas by stepping beyond that and by practicing the law of detachment, then I'm in a very even keel level of contentment. And I'm always willing my higher self to find the optimum outcome. It's It's really admitting that I don't know what's best for me,
0: and you don't need a, a tiny bit of fear, you know, to, to be encouraged to, to move on. No, no it's not.
1: No, <laughs> I, don't yeah. want, I don't want any fear. <laughs> so you could be motivated
0: and wanting to move without this kind of fear. That's what you're saying.
1: The, the only thing I would say, and, and, and lots of people have said this, that, that there is a sense in which the fear or the guilt. Or the pain is a catalyst that moves me towards the higher self quicker. So in that sense, um, Mm. it has a value. But uh, apart from that, I think it's Mm.
0: um, it keeps you small. As yeah,
1: yeah, it keeps me small. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And when you um, in doubts, like I'm just gonna move a a little bit further. Once we get this low and uh, we get this awareness of what the fear is doing to you. And we get that the fear is the worst enemy of basically uh, manifesting and, you know, being able to be non-attached. When you're in doubt, what do you personally do if you have moments of doubts?
1: I definitely do. So I think, again, it's it's a great question. I think we touched on it earlier, but With fear or doubt or anything like that, the first thing is not try to get rid of it. What what we often do, we try Mm -hmm. to push it apart, push it away. And if we try to push Mm -hmm. it away or suppress it, in fact, Mm -hmm. we make it stronger. So the first thing to do is not trying to get rid of it. The second thing is to basically almost like befriend the fear. Say, okay, I acknowledge my fear. The fear is okay. I befriend my fear. And in befriending it, you could say in accepting it, there's the beginning of mm, a transformation. Mm. So it's like, you know, um, I read a book recently and they said in this book, it said, courage is fear oh, with a prayer. Yeah. Courage is fear with a prayer. And, and people have often said that, um, you know, people who are frightened look at people who demonstrate courage and Mm. they think they don't have fear. And Mm -hmm. that's completely wrong. People of courage have the same level of fear as you and I do, but they move through it anyway. So, you know, it's accepting the fear, embracing the fear and trusting in the universe, trusting that we can move through it. And in moving through it, we transform it.
0: It's so nice to be told that because actually it makes you realize that why would it be courage if it, there is no fear? Yeah, exactly. I've like exactly. never thought of it this way. Like why? Why would we call it courage?
1: We all do that. We We look at someone speaking publicly or something and we think oh it's all right for them yeah. they're they're compl- they look completely calm I remember once I gave a talk and I was almost shaking mm, from mm, fear mm. and I shared this with someone else. they said you looked amazing <laughs> you know so um the outer appearance is is often very different to the inner experience
0: mm, mm-hmm. and sometimes you look back like uh, in what happened in your past like if I, if I look back 5 years b- back i realized that the things that actually worked for me from 5 years to now are the things that i've been able to detach from that uh, made me move uh, forward you know and i'm still struggling with the things i'm the most attached to exactly but you can you can only see that if you have the the space to tr- to be able to observe what happens and I think maybe, if, if we use it in the other way around, like try to say, well, in five there is a, a version of us five years from now that could be already where you want it to be today i don't know if i'm making sense, but
1: uh, yeah completely and and I think it's it's about having the humility to surrender mm-hmm. to the the evolution, the unfolding of that process, because ultimately attachment is all about control. It's saying, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And and there are a lot of philosophies and a lot of programs and, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry out there saying that you can make this happen.
0: And the rigidity of it, I think, makes the universe not be able to to, to make your life F- flowing
1: exactly and it, it comes back to this first principle that the most powerful place of all mm. is to be in the uncertainty and to really see that if we embrace the uncertainty anything is possible mm. they, we in the first law we talked about the field of infinite possibility mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it means just that that in that uncertainty anything is possible but when we have a particular attachment there's a very narrow picture of what is or isn't acceptable. So we all know when, when we've had a strong attachment to something, if the outcome looks a bit different, we're furious. Yes. We're, you know, yes. we're incensed, yes. even though it's broadly the same, because we're in that very narrow, fear-based, fear insecure mm-hmm. modality. And it's not, a, it's not a pleasant place to be.
0: And do you still set yourself firm goals, with uh, practicing
1: the slow. Yeah, I I tend to it's it's a whole nother subject, but I tend to distinguish between intention and goals. Mm-hmm. So so goals goals are fine and but goals are quite rational. They're very much a left brain activity. Yeah. So um I might have a goal to lose um, you know, five kilograms mm-hmm. by the end of March yeah. or something. And that's fine. Yeah. And then there's certain things you can do to move towards that. An intention Mm. is really a much more uh, holistic um, uh, process. It's about an inner impulse, really, to create Mm -hmm. a particular future without any attachment to the outcome. Yeah. So it's less, an intention is sort of less directive or less prescriptive.
0: Yeah. So... If you want to apply the law of detachment, yeah, we, just, mm-hmm. we we know now that the first thing that I would remember from now on is that the first enemy for that law is fear and yes. fear and anxiety or uncertainty or, yeah, I mean, all of, all it, of it, all of it. All of it and uh we also know like i love when you say the law of um uh, gravity it's like the law of gravity we can see it in the in the you know we can see but this kind of law we we can't really see this is why it's difficult to apply you know the we can't really see that when you're detached things come to you uh more
1: you can't. You can't really see the law of gravity if you're sitting in a room on your own. You can experience the law of gravity you... by throwing something in the yes. air and see if it falls yeah. down. But equally, I would say you can experience the law of detachment by watching what happens. And I, I know in my life, mm. and and um, you know, I share my life with my wife. Mm. I watch it in her. I watch it in me. Yeah. That that when we get very attached to something so i i I have a Mm. a achilles heel with courier companies we we live in the country Mm. and i'm waiting for something really urgent to arrive Mm. and someone's paid a lot of money to a courier company i start getting anxious but the more i attach to this thing it was promised today and i'm checking and i'm checking the less likely it is to arrive Mm. Mm. if on the rare occasions when i can forget about it it just turns up and most of us have had that experience mm-hmm. and if we haven't just just practice it just look around it and and the, more, the 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 tighter you hold on to something or the tighter you you know control something wanting it to happen the less likely it is to happen
0: mm-hmm. and when
1: that's the way the universe
0: works mm-hmm. Do you mind if I go back to this example of the courier company? Let's say now yeah, you're, you're waiting for something and you're in one of these moments where you really wanted to, to, to arrive on that moment and you're aware, especially you, because you do it, you teach it, you, of course, you still exper- experience it, but you would know like that on that day, I'm very attached. I'm aware I'm super attached to this parcel arriving now. Mm-hmm. and the chances are that it might not happen so by reasoning yourself like that you can put you can bring yourself to detach from that outcome by i don't know thinking of what could the worst that could happen and just easing your yourself into not being attached to it is that what you would do on a day like that
1: Yes. There's two very important things that you've teased out there, which lie behind everything we've discussed today. So the first thing is you recognize the anxiety and fear. And as you said, you think it might not happen. Yeah. And and the reason the attachment is so strong, even as you were talking, and yeah. you said it might not happen. I felt anxiety arise. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because there's a direct correlation yeah. between the attachment yeah. and, and the idea that it might not happen being intolerable you can't imagine that no I, you know oh. everything in my life is set up for that to arrive no. if it doesn't arrive it would be absolutely terrible therefore i'm very attached so that that shows you where the attachment is coming from totally. now of course in the greatest scheme of things it's not really that important if Mm -hmm. suddenly you get a bad toothache or Mm -hmm. one of your children hurts themselves or whatever you don't give a a, a shit about the courier company so it it really it's not that important Mm -hmm. but the second thing i i wanted to highlight and this is um it's a really difficult area for people to come to terms with and the only way to learn about it is to constantly have the experience and practice it but even that situation where i feel anxiety and it would be terrible if it doesn't happen there's two particular positions i can adopt mm. the first is i can kind of pretend to myself okay i'm going to let go mm. i don't mind whether it comes or not mm. but secretly I'm doing that so that it arrives. Yes. Yeah, do you that's when you, you can't cheat <laughs> we, we, on
0: that. Yeah. We
1: all do that yeah. and it just doesn't work. Yeah. In in order to enhance the possibility of it arriving, I need to truly say, okay, I don't mind mm. either way. It it's, either arrives or it doesn't. I'm just going to get on with my life. It's
0: thinking, to be, for it to be authentic and truth. In, in, in my experience, what I had so far was to... Uh, to be in an experience where I truly trust and believe that if it doesn't happen, one, it will be okay. I'll be okay anyway. Two, there will be something out of it not arriving that's going to lead me to something good for me. And there is, you know,
1: that's exactly right. Once you've embraced those two things, it's game over for the attachment. Yeah. There's no need for the attachment. So, that's where the freedom yeah. is, and you know underlying all of these laws, mm. there is a sense of freedom we you know if we want more freedom in our life mm. and and freedom is correlated with contentment, it's just to be at peace, mm. then the freedom lies in understanding it happens it doesn't happen if it doesn't happen, there's something else that's that's better that's going to happen and um It takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It takes time.
0: So practice, practice, practice it. Every time it it arises, I think being aware is like the, I don't know, everything I've learned with you (laughs) over the years is just everything starts with the awareness of it, like being- It does. Exactly. And then, like you said- The awareness
1: and then the practice. Like
0: you said, many times when you were teaching us, for example, I don't know, meditation, and I remember every session you would say, how many of you, be honest- practiced. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you would have one or two liars raising their hands and you, you yeah. were quite sure they didn't actually. And that's the, the, the step to move from being aware, is to practice. Because if you don't, you stay there, basically.
1: And you find that some people are much better at awareness than practice and some people are much better at practice than awareness. Yeah. I find the awareness much easier. I, I'm very strong on awareness. Mm. The practice, which requires discipline,
0: yeah.
1: I'm not so good on. Yeah. And yet, there are there are people who are very, very good on the practice, very, very good on the discipline. Mm. And with all of these things, you know, I always say, whichever law you're talking about, it's like golf. Mm and the reason i say that people who are good at golf spend four hours a day every day on the golf course mm, that's mm, what makes mm. them good at golf yeah. and we want a shortcut we want um you know i remember i i i had a dream once of 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 riding horses yeah. and i had this picture in my mind i just wanted to gallop bareback across the plains. Yeah. you know <laughs> And I didn't want to go through all the lessons of getting a horse to walk, of getting a learning to trot. And, you know, that was too laborious. Mm -hmm. So we we need to go through the discipline, the daily discipline. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a chore, but it does require a commitment and a strong intention to do that.
0: There are two things that I'd like to uh, mention um, about this chapter because I really, it just stayed with me. It's the, um, when Deepak speaks about good luck. Uh-huh. You know, he says that what's commonly called good luck is actually nothing but preparedness and opportunity coming together. This is the perfect recipe for success. And it's based it's based on the law of detachment. I mean, I know you agree with this because you, you practice these, uh, th- these seven laws. Um, but when people say, oh, this guy or this woman is so lucky, <laughs> so you believe that it's basically an alignment of intention and detachment and persistent in the sense of being aware and then practice and being aware and practice.
1: Absolutely. There was actually quite a famous, quite a successful golfer called Gary Player. He was a South African, and someone once said to him that he he was very lucky with his putting Mm -hmm. uh, on the greens, and he said, "Yeah, it's amazing." He said, "The more I practice, the luckier I get." You know, (laughs) (laughs) and and, um, that's brilliant. I I agree with everything you've just said, Laura. I often in my daily life with people particularly people close to with me I try not to say to people good luck Mm -hmm. because it's not about luck Mm. it's not um, it's about preparation it's about you know our our, uh, mindset when we go into something having said that I do believe and I often say I feel very fortunate you know I feel fortunate in my life every In in fact, every day when I I wake up, I go through a little ritual just very quickly, sort of like counting my blessings and recognizing my gratitude for the fortune I have in my life. But I wouldn't want to rely on luck Mm -hmm. because I don't think uh, that's how the universe works. There's no... There's no law or principle in the universe that says trust on luck. No, it's course. not, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: you know? And yet you see how many people say about other person that they're so lucky.
1: They're so lucky. You know, it's it, it's an illusion and a delusion. It's one of the ways they avoid doing the um, the practice and the discipline. And it's also one of the ways they keep themselves stuck because they just think everyone else is lucky, I'm so unlucky. Yeah. Well, If we're willing, and I've definitely had times in my life like that, if we're willing to sit and look at the unluckiness and say, well, what if this has something to do with the way I'm living my life?
0: Mm -hmm. It's very important to, to speak out loud all these things we're talking, like when the experience happens, because I find it always easy when I hear you talk about these things, I understand them. Like I said at the beginning, I understand them and I think, oh yeah, it be. It must be so easy, you know, it's like easy, easy. And then an experience happens and <laughs> yeah. then I there's the panic, I forget everything. And then gradually, when the level of awareness is quite high, you start knowing how to practice. And in my case, speaking it out loud, for example, Uh, something happens, I really don't like it at all happening. And this is exactly what I don't want it to happen in my life. If I speak out loud and say, okay, this is happening. I know this is not what you wanted, but if you're not rigid to what you really want, maybe this is happening for you to see something else or to push you to look at a different avenue and different possibility, and just trust the process, trust that it might be. And I'm saying all that, but like you said before, I feel this anxiety, you know, and the more I talk about believing in what the universe has for me and has my back, the more I trust and the more I can practice detachment. But I have a lot of practice to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and me too. I mean, what you just said I would absolutely emphasise that I'm no different to you, Lara, and I don't think anyone else is so different. It's very easy to talk about these ideas. It's very Mm. easy to pontificate upon them, and it's easy to lecture other people about them and to sit with a friend and say, oh, you're not (laughs) practising the law of attachment. (laughs) (laughs) And and then thirdly, when life is flowing (laughs) and everything's fine, it's easy to practise this stuff. But the moment something happens that upsets us mm. or triggers us, I'm like you, like everyone else, we fall into the old pattern. But but equally, what you and I were saying before this call is the bounce back from that gets quicker, quicker and quicker. Yeah. So we might you know, it's still, it's still difficult. We have the struggle, but maybe three minutes later, instead of three hours, we're actually, we're laughing at ourselves and they, oh, I got caught out by that again. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. And also it's knowing that, knowing these loads, even though they're very, very difficult to practice and remember is reassuring because you have, you have them, like it's something I prefer to know them and not maybe not being able to apply them all the time, but at least I know them, and this awareness is is half the job.
1: Exactly. So so one of the very simple things we're, we're going to come back to this next week yeah. uh, or, or next podcast that Anna and I practice, and and you know mm-hmm. this because it, it's a very a very useful thing for anyone to practice. But because the seven laws. Mm-hmm. We actually start, we apply one to each day. So every Sunday, we start with the law of pure potentiality, the the field of infinite possibility, and we just focus on that law. It's not that the other six aren't there, but but we focus on deepening our understanding of that. And then through the week, so every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, it's the same law. And the other nice thing about that is as we create community, there's a whole group of us that are doing the same thing. So we feel that that not only are we in the field of infinite possibility, but we're linked to thousands of other people that are focusing on that particular principle mm-hmm. on that day.
0: And how, how do you do it? If I may ask you, you just read the chapter or you read it together or you sit together?
1: No, I... I don't, I don't read it anymore. Um, I I think that we sit together um, and we have a period of silence. So one of the things, particularly on the first law, one of the precursors to uh, the uh, field of infinite possibility is to create some space, Mm. whether you do that in nature or in stillness or in silence. And that's true of all of these things. In order to uh, detach from a particular outcome to move below or beyond the joy and the pain. You need to create some space to, to set back. So we just start in a simple, uh, period of maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sitting in silence, sitting in stillness. And, you know, as I've said to you before, I don't call it meditation because I think meditation brings in other things for people. So it's just being willing to sit in quietness. And when you f- first start that, thoughts arise and your mind might be busy. You just let the thoughts arise and go through, but you gradually become quieter and quieter and stiller and stiller inside. And then in the stillness, there's an awareness of that particular law, whichever day it is. It might, if it's, you know, on the second day, the law of, of giving and receiving, then you're just sitting in the space of giving and receiving and so it goes on uh through the week
0: it's amazing i'm gonna try and do like you i'm gonna try and copy yeah. you it's amazing i love i love this idea to do it every week and repeat you and know, if
1: you can only do five minutes do five yeah. minutes it does you know amazing
0: thank you so much andrew the next time we meet we will talk about the law of dharma or purpose in life so it's the seventh law Beautiful. That is for you. You do that on a Saturday then generally.
1: Exactly. Every it's Saturday. Amazing.
0: Love it. I <laughs> so love this. If
1: you want to know what Andrew's doing on, on Saturday, Saturday, yeah, day, I si- it's practicing the law of Dharma. <laughs> I'm
0: going to try and figure out what time. So I sit here at home and do it same time. Okay. okay. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so right, much. God bless. Bye, Thank bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the law number six of Deepak Chopra, the law of non-attachment. I really hope that my conversation with Andrew has helped you see clearer and will really motivate you into trying to practice detachment, trying to practice recognizing the fear when it hits, recognizing anxiety and choosing to respond differently. I would suggest you uh, please forward this podcast to as many people as you feel could benefit from my conversation with Andrew. And I look forward to sharing more conversations with you in the future. Thank you very much for listening.